Thank you for joining us for Working Through the Word, a ministry of the Richmond Church of Christ. Let's join our pulpit minister, Mike Johnson, as he brings today's lesson. On a hot summer day, water is refreshing. When you're working outside and you get all dirty, throughout Scripture to teach his lessons. We're going to use it all year. As we think about drinking from the spiritual rock. As we begin and think about it, our initial lesson is to understand that Jesus is the rock. And from him, everything flows For a few minutes, take your minds back to the event that 1 Corinthians 10 was talking about. The great exodus of the people of God from Egyptian bondage. It was in that exodus that God's people were formed. They came to be in the event of the Exodus. In chapter 1, as the book of Exodus opens, we hear these words in verse 5, there arose a king in Egypt that did not know Joseph. Joseph, who had risen to the second highest power in the land of Egypt as The call came in a bush that was burning that did not burn up. And God sent him to Egypt to the Pharaoh. In a series of ten plagues, God showed not only the people of Egypt, but he showed his people to be what his great power was. And finally, in that tenth plague, in the death of every firstborn in a household that did not have the door sprinkled with blood, finally the Pharaoh said, get out of here, I've had enough. They started heading toward the wilderness they were now brought out of Egypt to become God's people. But one final thing needed to happen. They arrived at what we call the Red Sea. The Egyptian army decided, no, we don't want them to go. Let's get them back. And in a fury, they chased the children of Israel. There at the Red Sea, the people were discouraged. They looked behind them and they saw the army and the dust cloud coming. And they looked in front of them and they saw water that was vast and they couldn't cross. God again stilled the people. 
He had led them out of Egypt in a great cloud that went before them and showed them where to go. At night, it was behind them as a burning fire to give them light. And now God had Moses take his staff that he had used in a miraculous way in front of the Pharaoh. And he said, you point it out over the Red Sea. And when he did, the waters stood up on both sides. And the ground was dry. The cloud went behind the people and stood between them and the army. And the people of God crossed through that watery highway. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10, they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. I was fascinated hearing or reading the theories that people had as to why that phraseology was used. One person even went so far as to say, well, I guess while they were going through, water droplets from the wall of water standing was sprinkling on them, and therefore they were baptized. Well, it's a stretch. It's actually quite simple. To be baptized is to be covered, to immersed, to, to be buried. There were the people of God crossing, covered on the sides by water, and above by the cloud. And they were immersed in the glory of God, led by Moses. And the statement that says they were baptized into Moses was a statement that says, okay, we're putting our trust in you, Moses. God must have sent you. We're going to follow you. We're going to do what you say by crossing that created pathway. They were committing themselves to Moses as their leader. And of course the story ends in that case when they get to the other side and the army tried to follow and God crashed down the waters destroying the Egyptian army. And now these people are God's people. They were born out of the Exodus. And they were sustained by the rock that followed them. And that rock was Jesus. Notice what the text says in 1 Corinthians 10. They all drank from the same spiritual drink and they all ate the same spiritual food. You know what happened in the 
wilderness. They complained because they didn't have anything to eat and God had brought them out of Egypt where at least they had food. And even in their complaining, God said, I'll take care of you. And every morning he rained down from heaven manna. And we'd gather it up and eat for the day. Deuteronomy 8 and 3 says, It is the manna that none of you had ever known before that God might show you. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. I found an interesting passage I had not noticed in Psalm 78. Where the psalmist called the manna that God rained down angel food because it came from God Himself. In Exodus 17, they needed water. Again, the people complained. God said to Aaron and to Moses, go over there with your rod and speak to the rock. Tap the rock in the first place and I'll bring forth water. And when he did, water gushed from a rock. Now it can't be a rock that would fit in a place like this, I wouldn't think. Although with God anything is possible. But we're looking at a group of people, at least two million strong. How much water do two million people need? Isaiah would later refer to that event, and he called it God providing rivers in the desert. It must have been a great river of water that came from that rock to supply those two million people. And the rock followed them. One of the, the Jewish legends, even quoted in the Koran, says that a piece of that rock was broken off. And when Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 said they drank from the rock that followed them, they carried that piece of rock with them for the rest of their journey. Not true. But it is interesting. Could it be that God created a river there in the desert that flowed from the rock and flowed all the way down to the sea and that was the place that basically was their journey? So they always had that water to drink from. What does it mean they drank the same drink and the same food? Well, sure, every one of them 
drank it and ate it. So the same, that's not what he's saying. Paul said, they drank the same drink. They ate the same food that we do. Because the rock that followed them was Jesus. He was there in the desert. He was there when his people were formed. He was there when they were baptized to Moses in that event. He was there feeding and giving drink to his people. And Paul said, he does it for us too. Because see, we, God's people, were also formed in an exodus. God's people were in bondage to sin, each and every one. Anyone who commits sin is a slave of sin. John 8 records. Paul recorded in Romans 6, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. We're in bondage to sin. And we needed an exodus. We needed to be brought out. Jesus said of himself in Luke, or said of him in Luke chapter 4, that he came to proclaim liberty to the oppressed and to the captives. They needed an exodus. We needed to get out. And in Romans 6 and 18, we've been freed from sin as God's people. We were formed in an exodus that ended in a baptism. In that event of baptism, immersion, again in water, we are saying to Jesus, I'm committing to you. I'm following you. For he is our sustenance. Jesus, in our baptism, becomes the one we commit to. Which is why Peter said, or that Philip said to the eunuch on the road, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, you can be immersed. That confession says, I accept what you offer. And in my baptism, I am saying, now in this washing, my sins are gone. I am released. I'm free from the captivity that sin causes 
His people are formed in an exodus. And God's people are sustained in Jesus just like those people were. For Jesus is the rock of ages. That rock that followed them is the same rock upon which we stand. For Jesus said to Peter, on this rock, I'll build my church. And the gates of Hades will not prevent it. What rock was that? It's the rock that Peter said, Jesus, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And on that rock, that commitment to the person of Jesus Christ, we find our sustenance. In John 6, the multitudes are following Jesus. And it came time to eat, and he took a little bit of food, and in a miraculous way, he multiplied it so thousands could eat. And they continued to follow him, and Jesus began his rebuke. You only follow me because you want something to eat. But I'm going to tell you that my words are life to you. I am the bread of life that has come down from heaven. And if you eat, you will live. For my flesh is food indeed. And my blood is drink indeed. Remember he had said to the woman at the Samaritan well in John chapter 4, verse 14. Whoever drinks from the water that I shall give will never thirst again. For it will be bubbling up continually running, always available as our sustenance. We are people, God's people, formed in an exodus from the bondage of sin, sustained and supplied by the same rock that followed them, and we drink deeply. Jesus is the rock. He sustains, He supports, He supplies. Am I taking advantage of that? Wouldn't it be a terrible thing? 
for a person to starve sitting in front of a buffet table of food. What would you say to a person like that? Starving to death, the food has been laid out and there you sit. But you starve to death. As ridiculous as that is, as guilty as the person would be for not taking the food available, Spiritually speaking, what about us? The table is spread. The feast has been set. And John closes in the revelation. The table is spread. Come and eat. Why would anyone sit at the buffet table of spiritual food and drink and starve to death? Ridiculous, isn't it? But sometimes we do. We're not healthy. Because we don't eat. We're not hydrated because we don't drink. Spiritually, if you and I are starving, it's our fault. Because the table has been spread, the feast is ready, and Jesus rock invites anyone and everyone to partake. If you are not one of God's people because you've never had an exodus from the bondage of sin through the pathway of baptism that washes away that sin, then you are starving spiritually. And the end will not be good. And for those of us who are God's people, as we struggle to be consistently what God wants, let us be inspired and encouraged that it's available and at our hands. And if there's any way that our shepherds or any of us can be of support to help each one, anyone, to take from that rock, today would be a great day to decide to do that. We hope you enjoyed today's broadcast brought to you by the Richmond Church of Christ. We are located at 1500 Lancaster Road in Richmond, Kentucky. We meet on Sunday mornings for Bible class at 9 a.m followed by our morning worship service held at 10 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is held at 6 p.m., and our midweek Bible study is held on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you are in the area, we would love to have you as our honored guest. 
Thanks for listening.